Hello there and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Solomon Ashoms in Johannesburg, South Africa and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we talk about the decision made by the Confederation of African Football to take away the 2019 Africa Cup of Nations from Cameroon with just six months to go. CAF says that Cameroon were behind with preparations. We get reaction from Yaoundé. I'm ashamed because it's a disgrace for me as a Cameroonian. It's a disgrace for Cameroon as a whole. Also, we look back at the 2018 Africa Women's Cup of Nations as Nigeria won it, but it was much closer than usual. And Sol Campbell is added to the small list of black managers in English football. But first, it's been a turbulent week in African football with CAF deciding to take away the 2019 Africa Cup of Nations from Cameroon with just over six months to go. This was despite assurances that Cameroon were not going to lose the hosting rights. But CAF says that Cameroon were behind with preparations. Uh, then on Monday, there seemed to be some consolation as CAF President Ahmed told Afrique Media TV that Cameroon would host the 2021 edition, with Ivory Coast moved to 2023. Then the Ivorian Football Federation and the Ivorian government said that they knew nothing about this plan. And there's also the issue that Guinea are the hosts of 2023 as it stands, so they would have to be moved too. We'll see how all of this works out, but uh, as far as 2019 goes, CAF says a new host will be assigned by the end of this month, with Morocco and South Africa the leading contenders. So let's get reaction from Cameroon. This special report from Planet Sport Football Africa's Ngae Eno in Yaoundé. It's been a week since the Confederation of African Football, CAF, decided to strip Cameroon of the hosting rights of the 2019 Africa Cup of Nations. And still, many Cameroonians and football lovers are yet to come to terms with this decision. Some have found it hard comprehending why CAF will make such a move six months to the tournament, especially as CAF president Ahmad Ahmad, after meeting Cameroon's head of state Paul Bia, had reassured Cameroonians that his institution had no plan B, stating that no one will take the nation's cup from Cameroon. There were great expectations from fans, especially for those who didn't witness the first and only Nations Cup event hosted by Cameroon in 1972. After CAF's president Ahmad Ahmad and vice president Amadou Pinik visited Cameroon to reassure the country's authorities of the institution's resolve to host her maiden 24 nations tournament in Cameroon, several individuals and persons decided to set up businesses linked to the event, such as restaurants, hotels, car rentals, and other ventures. Some have admitted they took loans to bring such projects to fruition, but with the 2019 event now set to be hosted in another country, there's been heartbreak for a group of Cameroonians. It is a very sad and regrettable thing for us Cameroonians that this AFCON has been withdrawn from our country. Some persons executing the projects for AFCON exhibited a lot of laxity and this led to the withdrawal of the AFCON. As a patriotic Cameroonian, this is a very sad incident. 
Yes, I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed because it's a disgrace for me as a Cameroonian. It's a disgrace for Cameroon as a whole. I mean, it's a disgrace. In my opinion, the withdrawal of the AFCON from Cameroon is going to affect the country very badly because it's not only the infrastructural domain of the country that is going to be affected, but the economy of the country is also going to take a huge blow. I think it's kind of sad because many people invested a lot. People were hoping for businesses to flourish and their hopes have been dashed in a way because they've lost a lot of money and it's a sad situation. But there are others who aren't surprised by CAF's decision to stage their 2019 event in another country. They believe that the writings on the wall were clear enough, as Cameroon was never going to be ready for the June-July competition. I really don't feel bad that Cameroon is not hosting the Nations Cup because prior to them beating to host the Nations Cup, uh, my thought has always been we are an emerging country that needs infrastructure, we need healthcare, we need education. Taking all these billions in CFA and investing it in something that will last for two months, that's not what Cameroon needs. We need a good healthcare system, we need a good educational system. We need to encourage people to get jobs, not organize Nations Cup. That's not our priorities. New in some parts of the country, there was some form of turmoil. As a result of that, yeah, I had mixed feelings. But I'm very satisfied because um, the CAF president said Cameroon will be given another chance to host. So it's great, and uh, I remain very positive. I think by that time, we shall be ready. I think Cameroon was really unprepared to host the African Cup of Nations because, first of all, the stadia required to host uh, such a big occasion have barely completed almost six months to the start of the tournament, coupled with the fact that other infrastructure like roads and hotels to host the players are barely visible in the country, alongside the fact that there's unrest in certain parts of the nation. I think that this coupled with other minute factors have made CAF's decision to strip Cameroon of their hosting rights a correct decision. I think it's kind of good that it was withdrawn because of the instability that is going on in the country. It would have been very tragic for people to leave their homes and come to participate in the AFCON and then lose their lives. In a letter addressed to Cameroon's head of state that filtered on social media, CAF's president, Ahmad Ahmad, suggested that Cameroon should host the 2021 edition originally built for Ivory Coast, with the CAF Supremo later mentioning that he believes Cameroon will be ready by then for the continental football bonanza. But still, Cameroon's communication minister and government's spokesman, Issa Chiroma Bakari, in a press outing stated that the decision is very unfair to the country. It is clear from the outset of this matter that our country has been subjected to a treatment which can therefore give rise to questioning. In the face of this blatant injustice, the government of the Republic urges the people of Cameroon to remain calm and not to indulge to futile arguments. Though Cameroon won't host the 2019 Afghan, government authorities have called for the various construction and renovation works on stadiums, roads and other infrastructure to continue with regional governors visiting the various construction sites to ensure works are well on course. 
Cameroonians, just like many Africans, now await impatiently the host of next year's tournament. They are also hoping that plans of staging the competition in Cameroon in 2021 be maintained as many other fans who've invested a lot of money to see these plans come to fruition. That special report from Planet Sport, Football Africa's and GANO in Yaoundé. Well, Solomon, do you think that this was a fair decision uh, with uh, just over six months to go? I think it's a huge disappointment, not just for Cameroon, but football fans across Cameroon. Cameroon has been going through a lot of uh, crisis, political crisis recently. Uh, a couple of uh, school kids were kidnapped. Uh, a missionary lost his life. There was uh, a fight in, in the English-speaking part of Cameroon and they wanted to declare independence. So there's been quite a lot, and I think football, what football brings is the joy, the excitement, something to look forward to, uh, forgetting uh, some of your worries for a while. Uh, maybe CAF was, was too hard on Cameroon. Maybe they didn't get the support. I feel it's not really a good thing also for African football when it comes to hosting big events, because this would uh, really not make Cameroon or any other African country want to really get involved in hosting tournaments anymore or uh, it has exposed how much a lot of African countries are incapable of really meeting the standards created for such tournaments. Huge disappointment, but still we have to move on. Yeah, sure. So, Solomon, you're in South Africa and the country hosted the 2013 edition of the Nations Cup. Do you think they'd be ready to host again because they are the front runners together with Morocco to get the 2019 edition? South Africa is always ready, Steve. South Africa has, you know, about 13 stadiums across the country that are really top notch. All you need to do is just Little additions, little changes. You don't need to build things, nothing from the scratch. The, the, the stadiums are there. The infrastructures are there. The hotels are there. Uh, you know, the South Africa has experiences in hosting uh, big tournaments. They've hosted the Soccer World Cup. They've hosted the Rugby World Cup. They've hosted the, the Cricket World Cup. Uh, so, so there's a lot of uh, experience when it comes to hosting big events. And I feel like South Africa is definitely out there as really a very huge alternative. Uh, but we'll see between South Africa and Morocco. Morocco, we know, have been beating to host the World Cup. You know, I feel both countries have what it takes uh, within a short space of time to host such a tournament of that magnitude. So we, we hope to, to see how it's going to pan out. Well, thanks, Solomon. We'll see how all of this uh, will develop in the coming weeks. Uh, this week on social media, asking for your views. Uh, was it fair to take away the 2019 Nations Cup from Cameroon? You can uh, post a comment on our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Despite those assurances, uh, Cameroon have been stripped of the rights to host the 2019 Nations Cup. What do you think? Was it fair? Let's go to the Africa Women's Cup of Nations now as Nigeria beat South Africa 4-3 on penalties in the final last weekend after a goalless draw after extra time in Ghana. 
Asisat Oshwala had missed a penalty for Nigeria in the second half of a very tightly contested match. It's a ninth or eleventh title for Nigeria. That depends on whether you count the first two editions, which were not played as tournaments. Uh, South Africa have never won the title. It's the fourth time that they've lost in the final. But Banyana Banyana have qualified for next year's Women's World Cup, along with Nigeria and with Cameroon. Well, Solomon, I really enjoyed this tournament. Uh, some very close contests, uh, some games with big score lines, uh, some great long-range goals from free kicks, and uh, you feel that the dominance of Nigeria has really been reduced. Yeah, it was a great uh, tournament. I, I feel a lot has been closed down. For the very first time, we've seen you know, an early defeat for Nigeria. We've seen countries like Ghana losing. We've seen uh, also Cameroon uh, being really. Uh, held on, uh, and so we, we're beginning to see the gaps closing. Great performance from Zambia. There's really been great performance from Mali also. I actually really thought Mali was going to qualify. Watching them play the way that they play, uh, short passes, uh, both teams. I think when it comes to women's football in Africa, it has really turned the, the, the tides, you know. Some great goals that we saw. We saw acrobatic display by goalkeepers. We, we, we saw uh, really great skills from individual players. We, we've seen hat-tricks and lots of goals. And, and so definitely it's been really been a, a great tournament. And I feel the dominance of Nigeria has really been reduced. Nigeria had to really you know, push it to penalty as to, to win against South Africa, which is not really the traditional way for Nigeria. Uh, Nigeria has always been that team that would, that would go out there and, and, and play well and, and, and win with uh, lots of goals. But South Africa, especially getting ready to host their first women's football league next year. South Africa is on the rise, definitely. Uh, countries like Mali on the rise, Zambia on the rise. And, and it's good to see the gap closing. It's good to, you know, countries like Nigeria, Cameroon, Ghana, they need that wake up call just so they will know how to really put their house in order and uh, enhance their performance. That way every other team, you know, trying to beat them would also have to play very well. So great, great tournament and great host Ghana. Yeah, so uh, can we hope for a good showing for Africa at the Women's World Cup next year? Yeah, I hope for a good showing for Africa at the Women's World Cup with Nigeria, Cameroon and South Africa. I, I, I don't know, but I just so much believe in South Africa. I believe in South Africa because a lot of the players have turned the tide. A lot of the players have been playing very well. They've had experiences from the Olympic Games to the under 20 uh, World Cup and they had a, a good coach in Desiree Ellis, and uh, I feel they will represent Africa well. Uh, Nigeria traditionally has been playing well, and Nigeria is, I believe, the only country that has gone to the quarterfinals at the uh, World Cup. That is uh, way back in uh, 1999 in USA, where they finished seventh. Uh, I feel African players have... From what I saw at the Africa Women's Cup of Nations in Ghana, I feel we could see another quarter finalist. Well, thanks, Solomon, and congratulations again to Nigeria winning yet another edition of the Africa Women's Cup of Nations. Lots happening in the CAF Champions League and the Confederation Cup. The 2018-2019 editions are underway. These are extra tournaments being squeezed in as CAF is moving to an August to May calendar to follow Europe. So we've got to extra editions fast moving with the preliminary round and the first rounds being held before the end of the year and the group stage from January to March and the final 
than in May. Well, there was a big shock in the preliminary round of the Champions League as Angolan side Primero de Agosto were eliminated by Congolese side Otoyo Doyo on away goals after a 4-4 aggregate scoreline. Just two months ago, Agosto were playing in the semi-finals of the 2018 edition and now they are out for this latest edition. Uh, that's good news for us here in Zimbabwe because uh, they're going to play FC Platinum of Zimbabwe, uh, the Congolese side. Uh, Gorma here beat Malawi's big bullets on penalties. Uh, Constantine of Algeria knocked out the Gambia's Gamtel. Also going through Zambian side and Kana Rangers, Simba of Tanzania and Nigeria's Lobby Stars, a Cotton Spore of Cameroon and Namibia's African Stars. Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. And you can download our app and listen to the show anytime and access past programs, too, in our archive. To download, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. Also, you can listen to the show on our New Look website. That's planetsport.tv. Our other shows are there, too. That's Planet Sport and the Planet Sport Rugby Podcast. Uh, plus pictures and profiles of all of the team. That's on our New Look website, planetsport.tv. Well, to football in England now, and a former England defender, Sol Campbell, was recently made manager of Macclesfield Town, who play in League Two. That's the fourth tier, the bottom tier of the Football League. Campbell played for Tottenham and for Arsenal. He made 73 appearances for the England senior team. Well, Stuart Weir is with us, our European football expert. Uh, Stuart, Macclesfield are a small club, but this a significant appointment. Saul Campbell is the seventh black and Asian manager in the four divisions of the Premier League and Football League. But that is only seven out of 92 clubs. The others, incidentally, are Chris Hutton at Brighton, Darren Moore at West Brom, Nuno Wolverhampton Wanderers, Chris Powell Southend United, Dino Mamre, Stevenage, and Keith Curl, Northampton Town. As you say, Michael Town are bottom of the League Two, that is, bottom of the entire Football League, so it will not be easy for Campbell to be successful. But despite having 73 caps for England and having played for Tottenham and Arsenal, Campbell has simply struggled to get a job at a higher level. In his recent biography, he's quoted as saying, he would have been captain of England had he not been black. Incidentally, Anthony Collins at Rochdale in 1960 is the first black manager in the Football League, with Ruud Hullett at Chelsea in 1996, the first in the Premier League. The timing of Campbell's appointment is very interesting because, as you say, it's exactly 40 years since Viv Anderson of Nottingham Forest became the first black player to play for England, and there have been a total of 90 since that. The most capped is Ashley Cole, Arsenal and Chelsea, with 107 caps. And others with 50 caps, in chronological order, are John Barnes, Des Walker, Paul Ince, Saul Campbell, David James, Emil Heskey, Glenn Johnson and Germain Defoe. Among the current players who might one day reach the 100, there's Raheem Sterling on 46 and Marcus Rashford with 29. Cyril Regis, whose death we reported earlier this year, received a bullet in the post when he was first picked for England in the 1980s with a warning that more bullets were waiting for him unless he withdrew from the England team. 
Now, racism has been illegal in the UK for many years, and there is an official kick-it-out body which exists to fight racism. Of course, there are pockets of racism in the UK as everywhere else. And sadly, we had a banana thrown onto the pitch during the recent Arsenal-Tottenham game. But I genuinely believe that the current England team plays without anyone really thinking about skin colour. Football management, though, is a different issue where progress toward equality is very slow and development is needed. So let's hope that Saul Campbell can be successful and become a role model. Yes, absolutely. Thanks, Stuart. And uh, Macclesfield's first game under Sol Campbell ended in a loss as they went down in a penalty shootout to Newcastle's under-21s in the Checker Trade Trophy. Well, next on the show, we turn to social media. And after scoring twice in Arsenal's 4-2 win over Tottenham last weekend, Gabon's Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang is top of the English Premier League scoring charts with 10 goals from 15 games so far this season. Since he joined the Gunners in January, Aubameyang has 21 goals in 28 games. Uh, So last week we asked, uh, how do you rate his time at Arsenal and what is he capable of achieving with the Gunners? On Facebook first, and Aine Mukama Giuliano in Uganda says, so far so good. He could be helping the team to be back among the title contenders, but in other areas the team is still lacking. And uh, Twino Muhangi Peter Piert, also in Uganda, agrees, uh, saying he's put in an impressive performance. I hope he's helping Arsenal to secure a Champions League slot for next year, says Twino Muhangi. Uh, But Moses Al-Hakim in the Gambia disagrees, saying he's made a good start, but it's too early to comment, says Moses. Uh, Come March, you'll find Arsenal in fifth, and you won't hear of him scoring so often. On WhatsApp, a Gunners fan Jimmy James Perezzi in Malawi says Arsenal's achievements won't be much this season, but he'll prove himself as a good striker like he has been in the past. As a fellow African, I wish him well, and as an Arsenal fan, we need a number of quality players on the pitch, and Aubameyang is showing that he can play top football, says Jimmy. Alessana Drame in the Gambia agrees, saying that Arsenal's results will definitely be much better and more impressive. Aubameyang may win the golden boot in the Premier League, but the chance of winning any trophy with Arsenal is very slim. Isaac in Ghana says Aubameyang is a very fantastic and brilliant player in Africa and across Europe. I'm hoping he'll be the Premier League's top scorer this season. I've watched him a lot of times. I've realised that if he changes his way of wasting the chances he gets each game by utilising them, he can become the top scorer this season, says Isaac. We always welcome your voice notes on WhatsApp from the Gambia. Here's Ebrima Bar. If he is uh, injury-free, uh, Aubameyang uh, will achieve more. Don't even be surprised for him to score up to uh, maybe 25 goals or even more Yeah, if he continues with the form that he's having right now. So it is absolutely beautiful and I'm happy to see that as an African striker to be out there doing it great and I believe he could achieve more if, it, if he continues with the form that he's having right now and I wish him all the best. Thanks there to Ebrima Bar. Mam Sambasala, also in the Gambia, is also very impressed with Aubameyang, saying, I rate him highly. He's in hot form this season under new coach Emery. I think he'll be up there competing for the golden boot this season with the likes of Aguero, Kane and Salah. We go to Kenya now, where Kelvin believes the combination of Aubameyang's form and Arsenal's new coach could bring the North London side long-awaited success. 
So far, he's performed well, according to me, says Kelvin. He's adapted well to the Premier League and the departure of Wenger. Soon he'll be able to prove that he's a top player for Arsenal, and I can see the Gunners winning the league within the next two coming seasons, says Kelvin. Lamine Fadere in the Gambia sees Arsenal's new coach Unai Emery benefiting from his predecessor's foresight in signing Aubameyang last January. Uh, the signing of Aubameyang to Arsenal was a very good deal, says Lamine, and Arsene Wenger did well to sign him in the final days of his tenure as Arsenal manager. Mohamed Ba, also in the Gambia, is keeping a more balanced view. I think he's improved a lot under coach Unai Emery, but there is still room for improvement, says Mohamed. He needs to score more goals to help Arsenal to win the Europa League this season so that they can qualify for the Champions League. But Joachim Mudanga in Uganda is altogether more cautious. Actually, we can't judge him yet, says Joachim. You know, the Premier League is not like any other league where you go and shine first time, unless you're Messi or Ronaldo. So you have to first cope and adjust to playing in the league. However, I believe he is now coping well, and with him being a good player, he'll do more for the team when he's given the chances. And Andrew Jassy in the Gambia also feels that Aubameyang still has some way to go. I think he's coping with English football, though he is not at his best, as he was when he was in Germany with Borussia Dortmund, says Andrew. In Malawi, Ephrathar Kamanga says Aubameyang is trying, but I think he's only reaching 65% of what he can achieve. But Barang Sana in the Gambia can only see good things ahead for both club and player. Statistically, he's had a good start to his Arsenal career, says Barang. The Gunners' way of football has helped him to settle in quickly. I think he can help them to finish in the top four and to win silverware in one of this year's competitions if he can stay injury-free. And finally, Michael Johnson in Sierra Leone sums up Aubameyang's season in just one word. Incredible, says Michael. Thanks for that and thanks for all of those comments and apologies if we didn't have time to include your comment there. Well then, let's uh, talk more about the English Premier League now with midweek matches. Uh, the race continues. Uh, Stuart, we're still with us. Uh, interesting games midweek, Stuart. Arsenal arguably had the toughest fixtures and came out of it well. They beat Tottenham 4-2, then drew away to Manchester United after twice being in the lead. And that leaves Arsenal unbeaten in their last 19 games in all competitions. Now, Liverpool beat Everton at the weekend with a late goal and then came from behind midweek to beat Burnley. There was an amazing end to the Merseyside derby. With six minutes left, it was Liverpool nil, Everton nil, when Jurgen Klopp brought on Divrock Origi, the Belgian-born international player, but with Kenyan parents. Now, Origi last scored for Liverpool in May 2017, but... He had only six minutes on the pitch, but in stoppage time, the ball was deflected up in the air, rebounded from the crossbar, and there was a Rigi to score. Jurgen Klopp was so excited that he ran onto the pitch to celebrate and was duly fined $10,000. Southampton drew with Manchester United after leading 2-0, but then lost 3-0 to Tottenham. But by the time the Tottenham game was played, Mark Hughes had been fired as manager of Southampton, after only nine months in the job. Hughes, you may recall, was fired by Stoke City and went to Southampton, where he just managed to keep Southampton in the Premier League. 
but Southampton this season have only won one game and they are in the bottom three. His replacement is Ralph Hasenhutl. Uh, he was the previous manager of Leipzig in Germany, taking Leipzig to second place in the German Bundesliga last year. But he's got no experience in the Premier League or in England, so it remains to be seen what happens there. Looking ahead to this coming weekend, Manchester City take a two-point lead into the weekend, but go to Chelsea. And with Liverpool kicking off at lunchtime away to Bournemouth, a win there would put Liverpool top of the table, with Manchester City needing to win at Chelsea to keep their advantage at the top. And away to Chelsea will be a really interesting game for Manchester City. Yes, and uh, just finally, Stuart, let's go back to last Monday. Luka Modric winning the Ballon d'Or award. Uh, some people questioned his statistics, but uh, did he deserve it? Luka Modric, in my opinion, was a worthy winner for what he achieved in 2018. Real Madrid were third in La Liga, only the third best team in Spain, but they won the Champions League, i.e. they were the best in Europe. And Croatia were certainly not the second best team in the world, but in the recent World Cup, they finished runners-up to France. And Luka Modric was a key player in both Real Madrid and Croatia's success. A World Cup final and a Champions League win in one season is a great achievement for Modric. So a deserving winner, says Stuart, and congratulations to Luka Modric. Uh, what a year 2018 it was for him. Well, that's it for the show for this week. Uh, from me, Steve Vickers in Harare, from Solomon Ashams in South Africa, and from Stuart Weir in the UK, thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.